Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is May 11th, 2023. It is Thursday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Glamcraft by Michael Herkus. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, if you spend your time hoping someone will suffer the consequences for what they did to your heart, then you're allowing them to hurt you a second time in your mind. By Shannon. Alder. So this is actually a lesson I've I learned recently and it's so odd. Like um I feel like I have gotten to a kind of a point of self-awareness where before I learned the lesson, like days before, I was like I'm currently in the middle of learning a lesson. <laughs> like I was talking to a friend who was in town and she's like, "Oh, how have you been?" I'm like, "I'm good." I'm like, "But I feel like I'm in the middle of learning a lesson right now." And then like a few days later, I had to actually learn the lesson. And what that lesson was, was you cannot remove yourself from somebody or a group or a person with the hopes that your absence will teach them something. It doesn't work. People do what they do, whether you are there or not, right? So, so often in my life, I would think, oh, this person really hurt me, or hey, I think this relationship's like not very healthy, or hey, I'm tired of being hurt by this person. And I would pull back with the hopes that they would be like, oh, clearly my behavior is not okay, but I learned that's just not how it works. So, the lesson I learned was if you remove yourself from somebody or something or a group or a job or a Per, uh, relationship or whatever, you have to do it for your peace, not for someone else's growth. Because um, at the end of the day, you need to make choices that are best for you and not still centering the people you feel have hurt you. So that's one of my lessons I learned. What can you do? All right, what are we drinking today? We are drinking Dark Fay from Sip a Spell. It is a mate, and we are focusing on ginger this week. So we talked about the history of ginger. We, what else have we done? We, we talked about the history of ginger. We talked about the health benefits of ginger, and today we're talking about the culinary uses of ginger. So one of my favorite websites has got to be thespruceeats.com. I don't know what the spruce is, if it's like a separate organization and then it just has like a little eats section, similar to like how BuzzFeed has Tasty. I'm not sure, but I really enjoy it. It feels like it's done really well. It's um, it's done with a lot of like authenticity and sophistication and often like authenticity. I just like it. So they write, ginger lends its zing to sweet and savory dishes and drinks across a wide range of cuisines. In the Caribbean, Indian, Asian cuisines, fresh ginger root is featured in many meat, seafood, and vegetable dishes. In Western cooking, ground ginger often leads a note of spice to cookies, preserves, quick breads, along with 
like beverages like ginger ale and tea. So we already talked about what ginger is. It's not a root, but it's like a stem, you know. So when it comes to cooking, there's a few different ways you can use ginger. There's ground ginger, there's fresh ginger, there's dried ginger, and then there's pickled ginger. Then there's preserved ginger and crystallized or candied ginger. So what does it taste like? The flavor of fresh ginger is slightly peppery and sweet with a pungent and spicy aroma. Much like garlic, fresh ginger mellows with cooking and turns bitter if burned. It has a warm bite and little sweetness. Ground ginger is used often in desserts and is not easily swapped for fresh ginger. Yeah, like that would make sense, right? Like we're not throwing fresh ginger into our pumpkin spice muffins, you know? So cooking with ginger, generally peeling fresh ginger can be a matter of personal preference. I hate peeling ginger. I just like cut off what I want. <laughs> um, but ginger is incredibly versatile, especially with drinks, teas, sodas, and cocktails. And there's all many, there's so many things you can make. You can make ginger beef. You can make carrot ginger soup. You can make uh, gingerbread. Ooh. I'm definitely going to make gingerbread. Last year, I bought a the fanciest little gingerbread cookie cutter in all of the world, and I wanted to do nothing but make gingerbread. But then, like, life got out of the way, and I didn't have the opportunity. But I always forget gingerbread has ginger. So, yeah, there's a few different ways to store ginger. I'm actually right now in, on, like, a how-to-store-food-correct journey. So if, if you look in my fridge right now, I have, like, parsley like fresh parsley and like a tiny little cup with water and um, I have my lemons in a jar full of water so like I'm really trying to store my groceries more correctly to just cut down on food waste but here's different ways you can store your ginger one you can just throw it in the fridge you can put it in vodka or sherry you can uh, put it in the freezer or you can put it in a planter so ground, crystallized, and dried ginger should be kept in a cool, dark cabinet in an airtight container for best shelf life. Pickled and preserved ginger can be kept in their original containers in the fridge. Fresh, unpeeled root should be wrapped in paper towels, placed in a plastic bag, and refrigerated for up to three weeks. It may be also tightly wrapped and frozen up to, up to two months. And to use frozen ginger, slice off, slice off and grate a piece of the unthawed roots. So, that's, yeah, that seems like a great way to um, really make your ginger, like, go really far. So, peeled ginger may be stored in a lidded jar with enough vodka or sherry wine to cover it completely. However, storing peeled ginger in wine will impart that flavor. So, keep that in mind. It should be good for several weeks at least and toss it when the alcohol starts to look cloudy, which may indicate some bacteria. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, how what – yeah, that seems fun. If you store it in vodka and then you make, like, some fun cocktails. Super cool. All right, moving into some headlines. So I'm going to tell you right now, this website is sus. But I was curious. Let's see. So this is Wiccan symbols and their meanings. I was just like, well, you know, let's just see what this is about. That was kind of <laughs> I was like, all right, let's see. Just because the website looks like kind of one of those... Um, auto-generated bloggy sites. So we'll see what happens. So this is from gbtimes.com. Uh, 
So first they say the pentacle. The pentacle is a five-pointed star enclosed in a circle and is one of the most recognizable symbols of Wicca. It represents the elements of earth, air, fire, water, and spirit and illustrates the interconnectedness of these elements with the universe. Oh, cute. Okay. The triple moon, the triple moon symbol, also known as the triple goddess, represents three phases of the moon, waxing full and waning, and also represents the stages of life, maiden mother crone. The triple moon symbolizes the uh, cyclical nature of life and the importance of embracing change and transformation. Then we have the horned god. The horned god is the male aspect of the Wiccan religion and is often depicted as a horned or antlered deity. He represents the forces of nature, fertility, and the hunt. There's a great book that was written um, about like Wicca, or it was like it was written for Wicca for like the masculine perspective. I think it's called a uh, stag wand and. Okay, if you just Google, like, stag wand book, I'm sure it'll come right up. Um, let's see. The triple goddess is the female aspect of the Wiccan religion and represents three main phases of the woman's life, maiden, mother, crone. The sun symbol represents life, growth, and vitality, light, and warmth. Agree, agree. The moon symbol represents the feminine energy and intuition and psychic abilities. Oh, yeah. And then did they say that the sun typically represents masculine energy? They did not, but it does. At least in Wicca, in Wicca. Remember, Wicca is a religion. They have what their beliefs are, um, and in that religion, the sun represents like the masculine aspect, and the moon represents the feminine aspect. Uh, duality of masculine and feminine is very important in Wicca. It's how a lot of the ceremonies are structured and based, you know, um, and that's just how they have it. So the Ankh, the Ankh is a symbol of Egyptian life and immortality. It represents the life-giving power of the sun and is often used in Wiccan rituals and ceremonies as a symbol of protection and prosperity. Yes, a lot of Wiccans, you can typically tell a Wiccan by an Ankh. Yeah, that, that's a big part of the Wiccan uh, religion. The chalice represents a cup or goblet. Um, it symbolizes the importance of intuition, emotions, and nurturing aspect of the divine. It represents feminine energy as well. Yes, it's supposed to represent the womb, uh, which the the male aspect is next, which is the wand. The wand is long and slender, used to represent the element of air. It symbolizes creativity, intuition, and power of the mind, and it's used to, used to direct energy to cast spells. Then we have the athame. The athame... Um, it's also pronounced Athami, but I prefer Athame. The Athame is a double-edged dagger used in rituals and ceremonies to represent the element of fire. The broom, also known as besom, is a essential tool in Wiccan rituals and ceremonies used to sweep away negative energy. Then we have the Tree of Life, which is a symbol of growth and evolution. And then finally, they say runes. Um, which are an ancient symbol of Norse culture and used in Wiccan divination and magic. I would argue runes is a little out of place in this list. While I'm sure there are Wiccans who use runes, I don't know. I don't think they're part of the actual religion religion, but I'm not sure I could be wrong. Yeah, this was, this was good. Yeah, this was interesting. I wonder if it's written by AI or real people. Oh, no. Okay. It says, uh, written by Olivia Moore. Olivia is a writer and literature major interested in studying ancient civilization. Oh, good for Olivia. Yay. Cool. Yeah. Writers need jobs. Boo, AI. Boo. I don't care who keeps telling me it's not going to 
affect anybody. It literally is affecting people right now who are striking. This is why I love Jenna Ortega. I love Jenna. I love Jenna Ortega. I think she is this like she is the Gen Z scream queen, and I think she is the best. But when she was kind of punching at the uh, Wednesday writers, I was talking to a friend about it. I was like, writers are not the punch up you think they are. They are often very underpaid, very overworked, have little control. They're usually highly controlled by the like the higher ups and like kind of punching at them and saying that like they can't do their jobs or whatever is like not cool. Like if you if you feel like you need to make that punch at someone, it needs to be someone um, with more power than writers. So uh, we are seeing that now. I highly support the writer strike. Um, writers deserve to be able to um, make money. Uh, people who are writing award-winning shows that are winning um, awards and making all these people all this money shouldn't have to be in debt, shouldn't have to be unable to pay their rent. Um, so there we go. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Thursday, May 11th. The waning gibbous moon moves from craggy Capricorn to airy Aquarius today. Here, the moon squares Mercury. Mercury is slowing down in its retrograde motion, getting ready to station direct. While the imminent direct station is great news, a slow Mercury can be quite frustrating. We may be feeling like we're having trouble rubbing two thoughts together, with any sort of communication taking much longer than we would like. We may be waiting for replies to emails longer, watching the three dots waver and disappear as we await response to a text, or even having trouble talking to people entirely. There's no doubt about it. This day will be a test of our patience. Sometimes just knowing that things will take more time than usual is enough to stay our frustration. Just know that it's not you. Blame it on the retrograde. Your daily moon mantra is, patience is never more important than when you are on the verge of losing it. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Get ready to be spellbound by the Glam Witch. Originally considered to be the essence of a witch's spell, glamour is an ultimate act of magic. Used to master and manipulate one's appearance, true glamour magic is about honoring and expressing yourself to ultimately get what you want in the world. Intersecting visual aesthetic with the esoteric, Michael Herkes, the glam witch, takes you into their world of glamour with a personal pictorial on the magical art of beauty, fashion, and glamour magic. Whether your goal is to get attention, a new job, a date, or even go unnoticed, here you will be guided on how to craft a magical message with your presence by cultivating confidence with magical application, integrating magic into your beauty regimes with cosmetic, hair care, and fashion, bewitching with body language, eye contact, and seduction through the senses, manifesting a magical persona that caters to your most unique qualities, and utilizing crystals, dolls, fragrances, tarot cards, and more to maximize your glamour efforts. Only 200 of these limited editions will be sold, so grab yours now at theglamwitch.com. All right, we are back. So we are doing a phase series this week, and I just picked out different parts of 
uh, creatures from the fae category to just kind of talk about. And I've tried to pick ones that maybe we don't hear about too often or maybe we don't know a lot about. Uh, we've already talked about changelings. We talked about nymphs. And today we're talking about one I never hear anyone mention, the garden gnome. And this comes to us from salisburygreenhouse.com. So with their pointed hats and bushy white beards, just about everyone recognizes a garden gnome when they see one. Gnomes are one of the oldest surviving guardian uh, gardening trends, yet few know why. As it turns out, your neighbor's bizarre little garden troll has a story steeped in tradition and controversy. Whether you adore these little guys or you're in the gnome means no camp, the history behind them is undeniably interesting. So gnomes, those miniature folks with billy goat beards, are mythical beings with a strange, interesting background. The word gnome comes from the Latin gnomus and Greek nos, which have roots in ancient Greek words for knowledge of hidden treasure and earth dweller. The traditional gnome is closely linked to the mythology of the classical elements, earth, fire, water, and air, and were said to be the nocturnal protectors of the earth. Legend has it that gnomes live underground where they guard the nearby plant life as well as their personal stashes of buried treasure. Most folklore that refers to gnome-like beings originated primarily in European countries like Germany, Iceland, Ireland, Switzerland, and France, as well as countries of Scandinavian, uh, uh, the other countries of Scandinavia. However, there are also references in Japanese cultures of similar beings to the European gnome known as the yokai. According to tradition, gnomes were responsible for a lot of the hidden processes of plant life and were important symbols to northern European farmers. With that in mind, it makes perfect sense that they became a popular garden ornament in Germany during the 1800s when Philip 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 Gerbel <laughs> made the first garden gnomes from terracotta clay. So, let's get into the controversies. Uh, so here's the thing. It was a trend. Okay. So um, sightings of garden gnomes in Edmonton are relatively rare today, but their heyday, they were the must-have garden accessory. Their popularity spread across Europe and into the United States where they became highly fashionable for gardening enthusiasts. Of course, like all trends, the garden gnome had cycled in and out of favor, and garden gnome styles have varied massively from traditional style clay statues to made-in-China resin gnomes in blazoned with football team logos. Logos. So in the popular 2001 French film Amelie, the titular character steals a neighbor's garden gnome and sends him photographs and postcards of the gnome's travels across the world. So there are some controversies. It's hard to believe that an innocent-looking gnome would incite strong feelings, but the world is a weird place. While avid collectors of garden gnomes have been around for decades, there have been a few periods in history when stealing garden gnomes has been a popular pastime for teenage pranksters. And there are even subcultures, I wish I was kidding, dedicated to releasing gnomes into the wild, like the French group Front of Liberation of... Oh my gosh, Front? It's Sorry, it's in French. Front of Liberation, the Nains et Jardin? Gnomes. It's gnomes. Okay. So Garden Gnome Liberation Front. 
is the French group and its Italian counterpart, Malig. So there is French and Italian subcultures dedicating to stealing gnomes and freeing them into the wild. There is an international conspiracy to return garden gnomes to nature. However, with respect to local garden gnomes, Edmonton appears to be neutral territory. Gnomes have also been at the center of class disputes. The Chelsea Flower Show is a highly prestigious English gardening event that went so far as to ban garden gnomes. Organizers reasoned that the gnomes were a distraction from the garden designs. In response, pro-gnome activists argued that the rule was classist snobbery, and as garden gnomes are most popular among working-class gardeners. Very interesting. Wow. So, yeah, they seem very similar to nymphs, except that they live underground, which I think is very interesting. Um, but I love all of the, like, gossip and uh, subcultures dedicated to stealing gnomes. Oh, gosh. Okay, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to Lisa McGinnis. Lisa, you sparkling scholarly fire dragon. Jennifer Demucci. Jennifer, you sophisticated golden leprechaun. Lilith, you badass smashing gnome. Oh, we, we, we got a gnome. And finally, Audrey Grabowski. Audrey, you scintillating avant-garde spider queen. Thank you so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, and a little housekeeping. The May issue of Which Way Magazine is now out, so check it out. There's some good stuff in there about the changing of the seasons. And before we leave today, we do have a card pull. Our card today is the Seven of Pentacles from the Buffy Tarot. Between managing her family, saving the world, and paying the bills, it can be hard for Buffy to find time to make for her goals that are aligned with her actions. The Seven of Pentacles interrupts your regularly scheduled programming to suggest you may take time for a little guidance counseling. Are your efforts bringing you closer to your long-term objectives? Are you putting your energy into the right things? If not, kick the attention suckers to the curb and reclaim your time. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you. Uh, that's all I got today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.